This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. I know no other way to be than brutally honest. This was quite a feat getting here this morning. Um, Over the weekend, Dan and I, um, we've been looking to purchase a home, and we found one and uh, did that. And then we made an emergency room visit yesterday. And then this morning I get here, and I'm a bit nervous, and I get out of the car. I have a car that doesn't have an actual key that you put into it. I'm still getting used to it. But as I got out of the car, I walked around the back, and I heard all the locks just lock down and lock. And my notes and my iPad and my purse and everything was in the car. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm standing there out in the parking lot lifting the lock and thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to tell Chris? So I come in, and I said, Chris, and Don Conwell was there. And I said, you know what, guys, I aren't going to believe this. I locked my stuff in the car. And so Chris, being the great leader he is, hurry up and called AAA. And I tried calling Dan. Don had me try to have Dan push the key over the phone. He's heard that work. So we were, we were doing it. It didn't work. But thank you, Don. <laughs> All right. So this morning when um, Pastor Chris asked me if I wanted to share this morning, I was really excited to be able to share with my church family. And then as I got to thinking about it, I thought, this is really kind of a setup. I mean, he just finishes a four-week intense series on sexuality and he encourages me to choose my topic. And I thought, what topic do you choose after that? I mean, really, right? Just saying, Chris. The title of my sermon for today is Running Your Race with Endurance. And I'm going to be preaching to myself this morning as well. Um, My family, my kids, some of my kids will be here next service. And they're probably going to think, um, what is mom doing teaching a sermon on running your race? They know I'm not very athletic. In fact, um, when I was about 32... Dan took me to go snow skiing for the first time. Actually, the second time, the first time, I don't even look at that. It didn't even count. But um, so he puts me in ski lessons, and I'm in ski lessons all that morning, and then my instructor coaches me on the chairlift thing, you know, getting up and getting off, and we go and we get on the chairlift. I'm sitting in there, and my ski instructor is right beside me, and I find out later we're on the bunny slope. I mean, what kind of a name is that, bunny slope? So we get to our destination, and my ski instructor hollers jump. Well, I forget everything. This is no lie. I throw my poles, and I jump off the lift. I'm laying on my back like a turtle. The chairlift is stopped. People are booing, and I look over to my left, and there's Dan with five of our six kids at the time looking at me with disgust. I remember that, honey. And then later in my 30s, um, I got an amazing husband. He took me to go water skiing for the first time. I don't remember much about it, but I remember trying to crawl on top of his head as I forget to let go of the ski rope and I about drowned him. (laughs) Yeah, so that's my story with uh, about as athletic as I get. The moral of the story is to learn how to do those things before you're 30. (laughs) And in this season of my life, I've kind of been reminded of this deficiency again I uh, didn't know that joining the leadership here at Christian Chapel required some level of physical fitness. 
I mean, they, they, they hike, they run, they bike, they play basketball. Some of them do all that. Pam understands me, though. Um, so today, if you're like me and you're not athletic in any way, please don't check out on me. This teaching is just as relevant to you. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the idea that all of us as followers of Christ are running a race that has been uniquely and specifically designed for each one of us. Now, I know that a lot of you, like me, right now are experiencing a lot of intense activity in your life. And then there are those of you who your life is pretty relatively calm and not, not a lot of activity. But you know it's coming, right? It's the ebb and flow of life. So my desire, my hope for today is to give you some encouragement and hope to keep you running in your race and to give you a second wind, a fresh look um, to keep you running towards your finish line. As you get to know me, some of you know that I'm pretty much a word nerd. I love words. They fascinate me. It's how Jesus drives home a principle or an attitude into my life that he wants me to lay hold of. And I'm driven to pursue this word until I'm in the belly of this word and I'm living it and I'm walking it out and I'm breathing it and I'm, I'm very familiar with the word. It's what my family used to call being a bird dog on point. Have any of you out there gone hunting with a really good bird dog? So you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. The dog will have his nose on the ground and he's... he's um, pursuing the covey of quail or pheasants until he gets on top of it and you'll see him, it's, it's, it's an adrenaline rush, you'll see him stop and do a pose and he'll, he'll do his point. And the best outcome is, is that dog will hold the point until you get to him and not flush him out. My dad and I did a lot of hunting when I was growing up and he, he taught me how to train our hunting dogs and it was the most amazing thing. Um, Strange as it may sound, in this season of my life, when I stepped into the kingdom of Jesus, studying words that he highlighted for me provides the same exhilaration for me. I love the pursuit, I love the adventure, and I love the anticipation of how that word is going to impact my life. And the words race and endurance have been two of these words. So this morning, over the next few minutes, I want to share with you how really understanding what these words mean, how they can greatly impact your spiritual journey. So turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles or in the screen overhead, and we're going to take a look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now, I know that we've all taken frequent looks at this passage of Scripture, but I want to just settle on the latter portion of verse 1 for a second. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's talk about what this race indicates. Let's give it boundaries so we fully understand what the author of Hebrews is trying to convey here. Now, race is an athletic term that would have been well-known back in that culture and time, and race is still an athletic term that we understand 
The word race indicates to us a starting point and a finish line. When we bring it to the spiritual realm, the starting point is when we, we, we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's when we hear the starting gun pop. It's when we hear go shouted. Um, it's when we step out of the kingdom of darkness and we place our foot into the kingdom of Jesus. This is our starting point. And the finish line is when we close our eyes here on planet Earth and we open them to look into the eyes of Jesus. So all the time between our starting point and our finish line, our life journey in Christ, church, this is the race that we are running. I remember my starting point like yesterday. I remember hearing the starting gun go off and I took off running. It was the night before my 31st birthday. If you would pull that next slide up, Dawn. This is the first day of my race. It doesn't even look like I'm capable of running a race, does it? When we think of a race or an athletic event, we don't have to compete in it to understand that we know that that athlete will get into the best shape usually of their lives. They will work out, they'll condition themselves. But all through the Bible, Scripture tells us over and over again, when we begin our race, we're broken. Some of us, are in the worst shape of their lives. When I began, began running my race, I wasn't just physically broken. I had nine broken ribs. I had a fractured neck. I had a punctured lung. I had what they called a parachute fracture, where like if you jump out of an airplane, you hit the ground and your, your pelvic area is shoved up. And I had multiple other complications. But I also was in the middle of a divorce, and through poor choices on my own and through generational baggage I had acquired, I was bumping up against all kinds of darkness as well. I was in the worst shape of my life. But in the picture that you just saw, I had heard the starting gun go off and I was running my heart out. I was in ICU for five days and in the hospital for a period of 21 days. My heart was on fire. At the age of 31... 31, I began to read the Bible for the very first time in my life. You see, when I encountered Jesus, it was the first time that I felt free to run. And I wanted to run, and I had a goal to start running towards. For years, I had been bound and enslaved to the darkness of the enemy. I had bumped up against drugs and alcohol, pornography. My sexual life was a horrendous mess. I struggled with rage and anger. All these things the enemy had kept me bound and tied with. But when Christ took me out of darkness and I put my foot into the, the light of his kingdom, it was the first time, church, that I felt the desire and the energy and the hope to run my race. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. 
Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, the Apostle Paul here is encouraging us, and I believe he was encouraging himself. He is pushing us to understand that in our race, church, we don't run aimlessly. We're not shadow boxing. We're not boxing with an imaginary component or opponent. He wants us to understand that God has laid a specific course out in front of each one of us. Hebrews 12.1 tells us it's a race God has set before us. And he's exhorting us to run our race, to run to win, to run with purpose and, and intention in everything we encounter in life. Now, we know that Paul, from reading Scripture, he was in a lot of dark places, but even in those dark places and those hard places, he was running to win. He was running with purpose and intention. Paul here has his eye on the finish line. Later on um, in his life, I love how he continues this thought process in 1 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. All throughout Paul's life journey in Christ, Paul hadn't shadow boxed. He hadn't beat the air aimlessly. He had been engaged in his fight. He had kept his target in mind. He had kept his eye on the finish line. Paul ran his whole course and competed in his race with purpose and intention in every step of the way. Hebrews 12.1 again tells us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We've determined what this word race means. It has a starting point. It has a finish line. It's when we enter into relationship with Christ. The finish line is when we step into eternity. We've determined that God is the one who has laid this course out in front of us. And now we see that the author of Hebrews is telling us we are to run his race with endurance. Some translations use perseverance or steadfastness. Now, endurance is another familiar term in the athletic arena. The word endurance refers to the ability to do something difficult or stressful for a long period of time. It's the quality to not surrender or crumble under trials or circumstances. Church, it means not to quit. It means to keep running, and in Scripture, the word endurance is always associated with hope. Here's the thing about endurance. It isn't needed in the beginning of our race. It isn't needed in the beginning of our race, in the beginning of our life journey in Christ. We're fresh and full of energy and enthusiasm. We're excited about the the finish line, and most of us will have the mindset, we'll do whatever it takes to cross that finish line. But somewhere in our journey, every one of us will get tired. Because you see, our life journey in Christ is not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a strenuous and long-distance race. When we run a 50-yard dash, do you remember that from back in the day and junior high and high school, you take off with power and energy and it's over with in a few seconds. But marathon runners have to adopt the mindset that this is going to take a chunk of time. This understanding, this mindset is what's going to get them most of the time over the finish line. Yes, their bodies have to be in prime condition, 
but just as important is the mindset that this is going to be a long and strenuous race. Just knowing this will help him endure to not quit and to cross the line, the finish line. Now, how do we develop endurance? Let's take a look at scripture here, Romans 5, 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. Both portions of these scriptures reveal a pretty radical concept. If any one of us were going to squirm or struggle today, this would be the place to do it. Romans 5.3 reminds us to rejoice in our trials, and James 1.2 tells us to consider it or choose to embrace the idea that our trials are an opportunity for great joy. Now, this is a really hard and uncomfortable idea to wrap our minds around. It's another upside-down concept of Jesus' kingdom. The Bible gives abundant testimony, right, that all of us are going to go through hard times. It's a guaranteed thing. In fact, um, Jesus tells us in 1 Peter 4.12 to not be surprised or to think it's strange when we encounter trials. All through Scripture, Christ is making it sure that we have the opportunity to understand and to be prepared that there are going to be obstacles or hurdles in our entire running course. We've heard the starting gun go off. We've taken off running. We have the finish line in view. And Jesus is telling us that between our starting point and going home, there's going to be obstacles all throughout. And then he encourages us to choose joy when facing them. Come on, does anybody else feel that? It's like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, Jesus, you've already told me. I mean, come on, I was 31 reading this for the first time, so I'm studying this, and I'm thinking, my gosh, you've already told me that I'm going to have trouble, and I'm going to have obstacles that I'm up against, and now you're encouraging me to choose joy? But when I first came to know him, those around me who had walked with Jesus for a while, they told me that life was going to be a lot easier. I was going to have fewer struggles. And to a single mom with two little boys, that felt and sounded great. But as I read scripture and I began to experience life in the kingdom, I didn't find that to be true. And over time, this portion of scripture, James 1, 2 through 4, has become a lifeline for me. It's given me a new perspective, a new filter to process my pain and my sorrow and my trials through. And I believe this is what Jesus intends for all of us. This radical thinking of joy in the middle of our trials doesn't mean, church, that we deny our emotional pain. He's not telling us to slap on our happy face and deny that we're hurting. Powerful 
emotions are real and unavoidable when we experience hard and painful things. And having joy in our pain doesn't mean that we like it or we want to go through it again. A lot of you here know that Dan and I lost a son at the age of 16 to a car wreck, and he was one of three major deaths that we experienced in our life story. No, of course we didn't enjoy the process, and no, we wouldn't want to go back and live it again, but I'm being as honest as I can. I learned the greatest spiritual lessons of my life during that season of time. Our understanding of joy is crucial. If our understanding of joy is inadequate, we will equate joy with happiness. Happiness is an emotion that changes with our circumstances, and joy comes from outside our circumstances. It's not affected by our emotions. And one of the best definitions of joy that I have come across is out of a book called Choosing Joy by Kay Warren. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise him in all things. She goes on in her book to explain that believing everything is going to be all right takes into account car accidents, cancer, financial problems, miscarriage, depression, and every other grief we faced. And Rick and Kay Warren, a few years ago, experienced loss of a son through suicide. Kay's talking from firsthand experience here. And Romans 8.28 confirms this for us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Every one of us on planet Earth will experience loss. Every one of us will experience grief. Every one of us will struggle with difficulty. It's completely unavoidable. It's the same for a believer and an unbeliever. But those of us who know Jesus, who walk with Jesus, know that our pain and our trials, they're never wasted. They're never wasted with Christ. Romans 5 and James 1 reveals to us an uncomfortable but beautiful revelation that these places in life that we want to avoid or get out of early or quickly actually help us to develop endurance. These difficulties, these hard places produce church great spiritual benefits. For the endurance athlete, half the joy comes from evaluating their time and finishing the race, but the other half comes from knowing that they push through this place of wanting to quitting throughout most of the half or the last half of their journey. When we fully understand this and when we are determined to choose joy no matter what comes at us, it gives us a whole new perspective on running our race. It gives us a whole new filter in which to process our pain and our trials. Why is endurance necessary? Endurance is necessary for spiritual growth and maturity. 
Romans 5, 4 tells us that endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I like the way the Message Bible paraphrases James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced out into the open and shows its true colors. Listen to this. So don't try to get out of it prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Not only do we gain spiritual maturity, but also our race, our life journey in Christ becomes a testimony to those around us who don't yet know Jesus. We make Jesus known to the world through our endurance. A lot of you here know that Kyle came to us through adoption. He was our sixth child. And Dan and I, the first couple years that we were married, we knew that, that there, was a, there was to be another child in our family, and we knew that adoption was that route for us. So we began the adoption process. We did the foster adopt. We got everything in order. And then we hit one of three major deaths in our family. And I used to say it was three years. And as I was preparing this time, the Spirit led me to give a greater testimony to Jesus. It was a period of two years. So we hit the first um, grief that we went through. And our caseworker suggested that, which was the right thing to do, to back away and to grieve and help our kids grieve. And then we picked up the adoption process again. And then Trev, our 16-year-old, was killed in a car wreck on May 27th, Memorial Day that year, of all things. And our caseworker, you know, encouraged us to lay it down. And we did. We grieved with our family, and then we picked it back up again. There was this race that was in front of us. Dan and I knew that there was this child that was coming to us. And we needed the endurance of Christ, and we, we had to help each other along. So we picked, up it, picked it up again. And then we had a third death. The endurance was necessary to get us through to the end. We were on target to adopt twin baby girls. And our caseworker who watched our story and our life story, who didn't know Jesus, she became a believer throughout the process from watching our life story and what God's grace did in our lives. And she called me one morning. I was at work and said, Rennie, I think you and Dan really need to take a look at this child. And we met Kyle. And we knew he was the one. We needed the endurance to finish and to pursue the race that God had set in front of us. When we choose to persevere and endure, it shows that our faith is real and solid. And it testifies to those around us that we put our trust in what God has done in our past what he's doing in our future, and what he's doing in our present. Church, we make Jesus famous through our endurance. We let a dying world know that Jesus is very much alive. Endurance is needed to finish the race that God has put out in front of you. Hebrews 10:36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. We've taken a look at what endurance is, how it's developed. We've taken a look at the purpose of endurance. 
Now, where does endurance come from? Where does it originate? And as we look to Scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, May the Lord lead your hearts into a full expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. I don't know about you, but that thrills me. Endurance is not something that I have to conjure up. It's not something I have to strive and work into existence. It comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus has gone before us. He's endured the cross. He's ran the race. And he's crossed the finish line. And through his death and resurrection, we have acquired Jesus' endurance. As we prepare to close, I'd like to, for us to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 out of the message. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline through your veins. Do you feel it? This teaching speaks so clearly to my heart today. I'm just like you. I'm in the middle of intense activity, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm in my race where I'm supposed to be, I see the hurdles, I see the obstacles, but I am determined to stand my ground with Jesus Christ and to finish running my race. I have my eye on my finish line just like you. I'd like to pray with you today, if I could, if you'd bow your heads. Father, I pray that today my brothers and sisters in Christ would join me in making this place and time a point of reference. First of all, Father, for anyone who hasn't yet begun the race, for anyone who hasn't yet heard the starting gun go off, that today would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you, Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us who are facing obstacles in our race, whether it's financial problems, grief from a recent lost one, from a diagnosis of cancer to an undiagnosed health condition that we can't seem to pursue, a struggling relationship to loneliness, to depression, to addictions, whatever it may be. Jesus, we want to recognize to you this morning that we are staying in our race, that we are not quitting, and that we are determined 
to make you known through our life story, Jesus. But we also want to be real and authentic with you and want to recognize that, Jesus, some of us are tired. We've hit the wall. Some of us feel like we can't go any farther. We need a second wind. And, Father, we love you, and we know that by your Spirit that we can be refreshed today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.